Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. It is the start of a new season, the 2019-20 season, and we are back for our ninth season. If you've been here all along, thank you very much. Welcome back. If you've been here some of the time, welcome back. If you're new, welcome. Um, This is a gluten-free QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. We have a full house this week of regulars. I'm joined by BT Sports, one and only... (laughs) Chris Charles. Hello. Indiars, one and only, Paul Finney. Well, actually, the three of us, but I'll take that. Very well, indeed. Well, Steve Russell and uh, Steve Sears. Yeah, and I'm not the only person that works at BT Sport. Just <laughs> Are <to> you know. <laughs> not? Is it not a Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. What happened uh, to Alan Hansen? Uh, he retired. Okay. He retired. Carry on. Um, Shall I immediately say, one minute into our podcast, I suspect, Paul, one minute into the first podcast of our season, I suspect you're not talking closely enough into the microphone, and I'm getting a nod from Neil, our engineer there. That's all right. Is that better? That's much better. I will okay. continue with the introduction. Chris, you just hit what it Because means. Flo is back, and Flo has a new job. Go on, Flo! And that's BBC London match reporter. Yeah. Congratulations. Starting with QPR Huddersfield, so there will be a gap... Uh, where my seat is, but I'm not sure how many QPR games I'll be doing. But starting next weekend, and oh, we that shall means see. You're going to miss QPR games. Oh no! Technically, but I should be being paid to watch them, which is a slightly different spin on it, which is quite nice. Are you going to do that thing like where like it's really bad? You go, this is like Brazilian football at QPR, just to up the the viewership. I mean, I could, yeah. I, I recommend is that. that a, a, I'm thinking, is that a top tip from I'm, Finney? I'm thinking Barnes at home could be a good start <laughs> for that one. Um, you're also not the only one. Sean Goss is also paid to watch games at QPR. <laughs> um, <laughs> finally, remember him? Probably so, the first time. So is Ian Holloway, isn't he? Yeah. Um, we also have, from Loffer Words, Clive Whittingham. Hello. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome. back, Clive. And Clive... Actually, was down at the training ground today. Training ground? Were you at the training ground? I mean, if That's it can, it if you can class it as a training ground, then yeah. Uh, and you interviewed our new manager, Mark Warburton, which is coming up later in the show, as they say. Yeah. To be fair, Clive, you're worrying me a bit. You're very, very quiet. Really? Yeah, you walked in today and you've hardly said anything. You just brought your. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a word in, mate. You've brought, so loads, of per- you've brought loads of Peroni. Of course. Clive and, always um, brings his own beer. To be fair, lest he owe anyone anything. Mark yeah. Warburton. Being a city type, uh, likes a breakfast meeting, uh, so it may have been a 5am start to get said interview today. It's what been... time was it? Uh, we were down at the training ground at 7.45 this You're morning. You're kidding me. No. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, you've got to do it before the market's open. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, yeah. 7.45? Uh, wow. Yeah, so it's, so what time training it's been a long old day. Um, yeah, so the players were all in there for breakfast at like 8 o'clock, which I thought was a bit of a departure for professional footballers. And then, yeah, a couple of hours of training from about half nine till about half eleven. So what was your thoughts on what you've seen today then, the professionalism of it all? Uh, I mean, the, the two stark differences from when we were all there as a group a year ago is, firstly, the manager is able to talk like a regular human being. And secondly, the players could actually do the training drill that was laid out. So by those two standards, this season's going to be far better than last. Mm. Well, we'll, we'll save the Warburton chat for a little bit later on because we've got 5,000 signings and 4,500 departures to go through first. 
Um, the only other thing I need to say before we uh, continue with all the chat is to thank the people who support the podcast. So thank you to Joshua Banks for the beers tonight. Much appreciated, Joshua. And we also have a, an episode sponsor. Um, and it is... Uh, so the message from the sponsor is from ontrackoffroad.com. Uh, any Rangers fans who are interested in motorcycle racing, MotoGP, MXGP, and anything else, two wheels? Anyone? Do you know what? It's funny you should say that. Then check out the free online publication on trackoffroad.com for all the best blogs and stories direct from journalists working at the heart of the championships. You can follow them on Twitter at ontrackoffroad or on Insta at OT. OR Magazine. Let me tell you something else about this guy who runs this motorcycle website who I've spoken to before. He has a brilliant, is it nominative, nominative determinism name? He runs a motorcycle website and his name is Adam Wheeler. Excellent. Can I, can I, 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 and he's a QPR fan. Thank you very much, Adam. RIP David. I have a dilemma, right? (laughs) I'm, I'm 50 in a few weeks, all right? I mean, I am. Now, I used to have a CG125. For those are two, it's a Honda. It's a Honda. It's the page on Teletext that you use to check the shares. Anyway, <laughs> is it really? Anyway, whatever. That's what so Mark Warburton said. I, I failed my motorbike test when I was young, and I'm desperate to, to pass it. Do I do the, the sly and not tell the person I live with that I'm doing it who's dead against it? Because I kept falling off the bloody thing, and they kept getting worried about me getting killed in the North Circular. Really long story. Um, and I just want to pass the test. Do I go behind backs and pass the test no, and get a motorbike? I can talk to you about this after because we do some stuff with the motorcycle brand. There's some good, got some good ideas for you, but this is a QPR podcast. Okay. So should we talk about QPR? You can do it off road and on a track without killing yourself. Or on that, that little one outside Tesco that you put 50p in. I just, want to, I just want to get a nice motorbike. I've always wanted to be like Steve McQueen going across the fields and. QPR. I'm not, I'm not getting a Steve QPR. McQueen. QPR. Right. No. Uh, I wanted to talk about, let's start by talking about, so this is our preview podcast, but we have to talk about the signings and the departures. Now, just to kick off, I'm going to read you out the 14, what I think is the 14 players that have signed for QPR. We'll come back in two seconds. I want you to be honest. I want you to count as I list them, and I want you to count the ones you had heard of before they joined. Okay. Oh, now I would hope there's t- at least two, because I'll start by saying Angel Rangel or Angel Rangel, yeah. Jeff Cameron are in that list. But after those two, and I want you to count, and I'm going to ask you after, Dylan Barnes. No. Hugh- <laughs> uh, count and then give us yeah. your number right. at the end. Okay. Hugh Gill. Hugh- I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Hugh Gill or Hugh Gill. Mlakar, I believe, is how you pronounce it. Liam Kelly. Mark Pugh, Lee Wallace, Dominic Ball, Luke Amos, is it Connor Masterson? <laughs> I've given it away there for myself. Uh, Johan Barbette, Jeff Cameron, Matt Smith the second, uh, Todd Kane, and Angel Rangel. So there's 14 signings there. Be honest. I'll be honest first. I had heard of five. And two of them played for us last year. There's only two I hadn't heard of. Oh, shut up! Seriously, there's a, the, the the guy from Aberdeen, uh, the guy from Liverpool, and the guy from Chelsea who was on loan, uh, Kane. Kane. That's the two I didn't so heard Masterson of. Masterson and Kane, you hadn't heard of. No, uh, the guy from Aberdeen, because Aberdeen's my Scottish team. Um, I sort of watch sometimes, and yeah. Um, uh, yeah, to be fair, he's been brilliant. Anyway, 
Uh, Answer the question, Clive. I genuinely, I hadn't, um, I hadn't heard of the Colchester goalkeeper. We'll maybe come on to that one um, in a bit. I had to do a bit of research on Liam Kelly and uh, the lad at Liverpool. I only knew in that some one of the Irish posters on our message board had said about two months before that he was being released by Liverpool and would be a fantastic free transfer for us. But apart mm. from that, I wasn't aware of him. And you, so you all know who you all knew who Luke Amos was, did you? Yeah, he played. He was in the Tottenham team he for the start of last hour, season at Newcastle. It was yeah. He went, he went alone, didn't he? Steve something like that. He's one of those yeah. where, as soon as we signed him, all my Tottenham mates are texting me going, "You've got a really good one there yeah. if you can get fit." Similar, like exactly it. the same with Amos. Um, Wallace, I knew about because he got in trouble um, with Kenny Miller uh, at Rangers of internal disciplinary issue, and then he appealed it, and the SBL shortened the ban or completely repealed the ban. So I'd heard of him because of that. And then he was just phased out at, at Rangers under Gerard, even though he was like a club legend, supposedly. Um, Amos I'd heard of. Uh, who else have I heard of in that group? Oh, Hugh Gill, vaguely just because he was playing M- Middlesbrough But Smith was season. heard of because of, he was out in loan and did quite well in Europe. So there was a few people talking about him and the other like, young lad at City as future star players. That's right, he, he came under the radar. Chris? Yeah, about half a dozen. <laughs> uh, and let me remind you, so I reckon there's 12 gone out, amongst which are two loans, so 10 have actually gone out for good. Joek Lynch, Baptiste, Ingram, Smith, Bidwell, Cousins, Wheeler today, Furlong and Freeman. I suppose the two headline ones that have gone, that potentially had the most discussion, are Furlong and Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's the general view about the players that have gone and the two in particular that have gone for a, a fee? Um, I think I said on the last podcast of last season that I was on when people were talking about which of the newly contracted players, which of the players out of contract, sorry, you would keep, that the answer would be none of them because that is the reality, financial reality with the win. So that turned out to be right, and that is the reason that Freeman's gone. That was a good deal. That was that's higher than has been reported. I think that's about four point nine five million, which I think is a fair well, is price that, is for that, Luke. Is Freeman. that true? Because what yes, I've it heard, is. What I've heard is three million down, and then add-ons brings up the five point nine. Oh, I hadn't heard five point nine. I've been told it's four point nine by that's by people that I but people that I would trust. So you to said one hundred percent. It's four point nine million on the table. Ninety-eight, ninety-eight percent. So we have got five million off. Well, why do you think we're suddenly bidding no, for, no. The, for this so Aberdeen you're saying, lad? You're saying without a shadow of a doubt. That I'm not saying without a shadow of a doubt. Yes, you are. He's saying he's been told. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well as if I'm going to tell you that. I'm just saying. <laughs> How much do you think we got for him? Three million plus add-ons. Okay. Amounting to five point nine. If they win everything from here to the Champions League. Which is fair enough. They're not going to have that sort of clause in. I know you're being slightly flippant there, but I mean, I presume one's not getting relegated. Appearances, relegation, trophies, points, and we can take trophies out. International caps. Does it matter? Does it it matter what we got for him? Because uh, for two reasons. First of all, he was on a lot of money, and we needed to clear that off the wage bill. Second of all. I know it, it always seems glib when you say it, but the market determines what he's worth. So people can sit in pubs and say, we should have got 7 million for him, we should have got 10 million for him, but the market decides. And he, he only had a year left on his but contract, and it was a new contract, and he obviously had some kind of clause but in it. still two players from League One for higher money than what we've got for our players. But you don't know the state of their contracts. He res- I don't. I know none of this. I have no, no, no one has told me anything off the record or whatever, but if you look at the fact that he re-signed last Christmas, 
if you're his agent at that point, you're going to put a release clause in there, aren't you? You're gonna say if there's a bit of four million or whatever, it gets he gets it gets triggered. If, it, and if, he it's, goes. if it's like what Clive says, which I've got no reason to doubt, Clive, because he's usually <laughs> on the book. He's on. It, to be fair, I'm, that's why I'm trying to get clarity so people listening to this podcast can actually say it's not Spain. If that's what he says, that's what he says. Because undisclosed leads to. Clarity. The under the undisclosed fee thing, you know, maybe is another point for discussion because it just does my head in. It does my head in in football in general that clubs have to declare agents' fees but don't have to declare the mm-hmm. transfers that they were involved. I just think that's ludicrous. And this idea that we're giving away some sort of market intelligence by revealing what we receive for players and what we spend for players is nonsense because football's a gossipy industry and every agents talk, everybody talks in football, everybody in football will know basically what we got for Freeman. So the undisclosed fee, I think, winds people up unnecessarily. I did. Go on, Chris. I was going to say, it's not just the contract clause, though. It's also the fact that other clubs will know our situation, know that we haven't got a pot to pee in, um, and therefore know that we, we can't really afford to turn down. You know, then why come in with 10 million when, you know, and it's quite telling that I think Sheffield United are the only club that came in for him with a reasonable offer. Yeah, if Pulis, had, Middlesbrough last if Pulis season, had stayed at Middlesbrough, then yeah. we could have got a bidding war going. That's the problem. We never yeah. quite get the bidding war going. And that point about us, everybody knows the situation we're in, probably talks to the furlong transfer, who is young and English and under contract, and we've only got, you know, just shy of two million for him. That that felt cheap. Then you go out and you get um, Todd Kane on a free transfer, who's young and English and out of contract, plays that position, mm. will be a sellable asset, and that two million from Furlong goes somewhere else. So you think maybe the, that wasn't such a bad trade. I, I mean, I, it's, I it's a... difficult, isn't it? They're basically trying to rip up an entire team and start again over yeah. one summer, which is very difficult to do. I, I was a bit disappointed about Darnell Furlong. I... I... Quite rated him. Um, I think they could, you know, maybe could. He, I can't imagine he'd be on ridiculous wages. I think they could have maybe had him for another season. I, I do wonder how much like his replacement is on like wages because um, yeah. was anyone else in for him? Do you know for Furlong? No, sorry, for, talking about for Kane. For, yeah, Middlesbrough were in for Kane. Okay, so and how, he was a Championship player last year. So how come he would come to us over Middlesbrough? He lives down the road. Is that, that's it. Is Have it? you been to Middlesbrough? <laughs> I, think, I mean, it might just be as simple as that. What I mean is, I'm sure Middlesbrough could afford to pay more money than we. I, did suspect, I suspect Middlesbrough did offer him more money than we did, but and I would have thought he's on decent money. And Bidwell presume uh, Bidwell reportedly was on 15 grand a week, right. and that's why he was released. Okay. And I wouldn't have thought a player of Kane's calibre, not that I had heard of him before because I'm happy to admit that, but someone who's played whatever it is, a season, two seasons, in the cha- a championship level fullback w- would be on similar money. But I think the point you're making, Clive, which is quite an interesting one, is if actually you say, you would have said at the end of the last season, look at these two players, Donald Furlong and Todd Kane, and you swap one for the other and you get two million quid in the bank. Which you can then spend somewhere yeah. else where yeah, you need no, it because we are we are now making cash offer for a player, which yeah. is. A, a, then, then the, the remit a few years ago was to bring youth in to the and first sell it for a profit, which is what we've just done. Yeah, but also the profit has to be suitable for the club. So to me, two million seems really cheap. I say, well, look, I, I agree. I felt it felt cheap as well, and tweeted as much on the day. But, but you think we spent two point five million on Yeni, two point five million on Silla. Uh, 1.5 million on Bidwell yeah, in, a, pa- in a parachute can't. payment era you're comparing apples with oranges there yeah. no, no what parachute I'm is, if you, if you, no Clive what I'm saying is that people will compare transfer fees we all do it we're football fans that's what we do we look at transfer fees what we paid for players hmm. and we're thinking 2 million compared to what we've paid in the past 
it's not that much when you've paid like we paid like what eight million for fur. I know it's in the past past, but I'm just saying I mean, that is in the past. past. Yeah, but so yeah, but people, that's why we're in the the mess we're in because we overpaid too much for players in the past and put them on ridiculous wages. Also, the I mean, a point that Warburton made today, whether you agree with it or not, is that the championship transfer market is changing week by week at the moment. It's going the other way because so many clubs now are suffering their own varying degrees of FFP. So a player you might have got five, six million for two and a half years ago, you'll now get two or three. Because West Brom are chucking stuff overboard. You know, they've paid they've paid two million for Furlong. They have they've bought Zahor for big money, but they mm. can't afford to buy Gale. They've sold uh, Jay Rodriguez. There's a lot of a lot of West Brom fans are asking what's going on up there because they're not committing money because they're having that FFP problem. Same with Derby. So who is West. it actually spending money in the championship? The teams that have come down the with the parachute come, the teams payment, that yeah. immediately come down with the enormous parachute payment, and it, then they have to get back up. If not in the first season, the second season, and if you don't do that, and there's a few in that situation now, who've either spent big trying to get there or have spent their parachute payment trying to get back, then. You know, it starts to be chucking stuff overboard, and West Brom and Middlesbrough are now in that in that situation. Uh, given that you mentioned Warburton, seems like a good time now to. We'll come back to the transfers, to the signings. Seems like a good time to hear what he said to you at the training ground this afternoon. Set the this morning, I beg your pardon. Very this morning. Set yeah. the scene. <laughs> Set the scene for us, Clive. So you get there at seven forty-five. <laughs> was he healthy or was he a bacon butty man? The food, the food is pretty good down there, actually. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah that, it was it was good. We were parked in uh, in the media office at the training ground, which is almost as small as your podcasting studio is yes, this, is this season. This room, yeah. Um, and yeah, do you know what? He was straight up with his with his answers. Um, he didn't say anything he didn't want to say. Yeah. If, you, if you know what I mean, it's not. It, it's certainly not an Ian Holloway interview, but nor is it a Steve McLaren interview where you're just like, "What is this guy on about?" Well. Let's have a listen. Mark Warburton, it's your first uh, first interview for the uh, the Open All Arms podcast. We appreciate you uh, spending time with us uh, today. You've been at the club a couple of months. Anything that wasn't in the brochure that you wasn't expected that has come up so far? In truth, no, not at all. I was uh, had good meetings with with Lee and Les, etc. Prior to to my appointment, I knew the situation. I knew what we had to do, or we had an idea what we had to do. Uh, then you have to make the decision about whether you go uh, slowly, slowly in terms of, of the squad, or whether you have a more radical approach. And I thought that I thought was called on to, to have a more radical approach uh, and, and make some real changes to the to the playing personnel, and um, and hopefully move us forward. Yeah, the turnover of uh, of players in the in the summer has has been well documented. Was that always your intention when you came in? I remember at the start there was sort of mention of maybe half a dozen new faces, but it's it's twice that. Was that always the intention, or was something you know of things transpired over the summer that have made you think, no, we're just going to go for it? No, I think you've got to assess what you have. The worst thing you can do is go in there with any preset ideas, and you know he's not good enough. And actually, work with him and go, actually, he's good enough. And, and it's, I knew we were losing four or five players right at the start with their options being up, so I knew that situation and the impact on the budget. And then we looked at other players who who some need to go out and play and develop, and, and others needed to move on. Uh, and then you look at the squad and go, what do we need? What do we need? Because it's such a tough demand of division. We have to make sure QPR are in a position to, to more than compete. We have to make sure that every week we go into every game with the belief that we can we get points out of the game. So, um, some very dramatic changes. 
but I think hopefully in the longer term they'll bed in nicely and be for the good of the club. Is that the main concern Just the, as we go into the season, just that level of change and getting a cohesive, well-gelled team to, to, to kick off with on Saturday? Yeah, that's not said from this huge perspective. That said, I mean, I've, we've taken a lot of players who know exactly what we expect from them. The likes of Lee Wallace and Don Ball, obviously Todd Kane, Mark Pugh, how they played at Bournemouth for a long period of time. You look at these players, Jeff Cameron, they know, they know the game and they're very clear how I want to play. Um, and, and our staff want to play so we've reduced uh, the, the risk so to speak in many aspects but it's always just bedding players in and, and getting used to new clubs and, and that, that, that's always a small, a smallish issue but hopefully very much the players will come on board and now understand the, the requirements and, uh, and they're all keen to contribute can I ask uh, how we go about identifying and signing targets? It's a regular sort of bone of contention and talking point among the support base because we we have uh, a head of recruitment or a head of scouting in Gary Penrose. We have a director of football, Les Ferdinand. And then we have yourself. A number of the players over the summer seem to have a personal connection to you. You've worked with them before or uh, seen them at academy level. How do we go about identifying and signing the, the targets? It's recognising, first of all, what's, what's their financial position. So you know, what do we have? As, like, any, any job, what do you have to go and spend? Uh, and then identifying how best you utilise those funds and how best you spend the monies. Um, and what areas do we need to strengthen? Where do we have young players coming through whose development we don't want blocked? So all these various questions are asked. So, for example, uh, Elias went out to Stevenage. He's come back. Uh, exciting player. Needs to have a pathway. He needs to see a pathway. I'm not going out to buy a number 10 to come in and block him. So I need, I need to recognise the fact that he's a young player still. The Championship has enormous demands. But he's a very talented player as well. So it's making sure that our recruitment, first, doesn't impede or block players that we currently have on board, who are the, the future of QPR, very, very simply. It's how best to use a loan market to again add some quality and also say to our young academy players this is a level if we take for example Matty Smith and Luke Amos they're two boys signing long term contracts at top Premier League clubs and we say to our academy boys that, that is a standard that's a standard you look how they close down their technical their technical base uh, their physicality that's a standard you require to be a top player at a Premier League club so it sends a, a really positive message out as well then the balance of seniority and physicality the league you can sit there and go you can have you can't go in a championship with ten players at five or six. You can't because you know you, you pay the price physically. Yeah. You have to be able to deal with that side as well as the technical aspect of the game. So again, getting that balance right. So all of this goes into our to our uh, think thought process. Then we look at the player profiles that I want. So what do I want from a right back, physically, mentally, tactically, technically. What do I want from a right back? What do I want from a wide left player? Make sure Gary and his team, obviously Les oversees everything. Make sure they understand what I want from a player profile. And then we go and target players who we think are appropriate. Uh, players that I've worked with before, Lee Wallace, captain of the Glasgow Rangers, know him inside out, huge respect for his experience and quality. And Don Ball I've worked with before. But there's a lot of other players as well that I haven't worked with before, but it's important that we go and add some quality experience and youthful exuberance to the squad as well. So between the three of you, is that what you're saying you 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 produce a list between the the, the three of you and, and pick what works from yeah, from that list? Yeah, I have to look at. I have, obviously as a manager, I have to be comfortable. So I'm working with the players. Likewise, I work very closely with the staff with John Eustace to begin input and Neil Banfield and Gavin. People have got to contribute. You know, your people around you, not for just a body's sake. Your people around you, who whose opinions you trust and value. So absolutely, we all contribute to that. But at the end of the day, as a manager, I've got to work with the players day in, day out. And I've got to have that final say. thought you were going to uh, stick one on the next person that asked you if we were going to sign a striker a couple of weeks ago. We've obviously got a couple, uh, a couple in since then. 
Um, are we are we done on that front? And do you think there are the, enough enough goals in this team as it stands? No, I do. I thought we, you know, people obviously fans quite understandably are getting that we're getting nervous. We had no strikers at some day. Rem did a great job for us, but I wanted a, again a youthful youthful type of runner who working behind. I wanted some experience and physicality as well. And in Yan and and Jordan, we've got that. So um, delighted to get Jordan on board. You know, a lot of work done there. And likewise, Jan, thanks to David Weir and Dan Ashworth at Brighton, and to get those to get him on board. So we've answered that question. Um, you know, it's well documented. We've pursued a certain player, and obviously Mark Pugh's experience coming along is, is invaluable to us, and his quality as a player. Todd Kane knows the role, the attacking fullback. So again, a really good acquisition for us. Played 30 odd, 34 games for the whole in the championship last year. So again, knows the division. Jeff Cameron coming back to the club, experience, quality physicality so you can see the, the, the thought process behind it I'm delighted with Luke Amos and Matty Smith as I mentioned earlier two, two very high quality loans and Luke having been out for nine months is, is getting better each game uh, and Matty will undoubtedly show his quality as well Was it a risk given the, the striker situation as it was was it a risk to let Big Smith and Little Smith one go to Millwall and, and one go to Wickham on, on loan given that we didn't have anyone in at no. the time were you not tempted to, to hang on to one or both? No it wasn't no I don't mean that in the derogatory at all. I wish both players. I mean, Paul obviously needs to play. People keep saying to me, I'll try him up front. I'm saying to him that at, at this moment in time, he's 20 years old and, and getting, you know, four or five games a year and appearances as a substitute is not going to be what he needs. He needs to play 35, 40 games where he, his confidence grows, his understanding of the game improves, obviously, by, by playing football. And he comes back to QPR, a better player. Now, you know, I look at the likes of, we took Alex Pritchard from Tottenham. He'd gone to Spindon, played 40-odd games. He came to us at Brentford, played 44, 45 games, then goes on to the Premier League. And it gives him that stepping stone, that experience, and it's vital for Paul to do that. Big Matt Smith was, uh, I look at a different type of, I don't play that type of target game. Um, so it wasn't, it, for, for me, it was never going to work out in that respect, but obviously a very talented player, and you wish him well. But it's, uh, it's about being honest early. And if a situation comes up where, where Matt can move on, then I was comfortable that we would find a place that you wanted. The work was the work was going on. But we couldn't say to fans, but a lot of work was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you also about the, the goalkeeper situation? Because uh, Matt Ingram was, was obviously going to go out and Liam Kelly came in and we thought that was done. We've since signed uh, Dylan from, from Colchester, which raised a few eyebrows because we already have goalkeepers on staff and we're well aware of the financial situation yeah. why do we need to, to carry that many goalkeepers Sen on staff? We've got three Senny's gone out on loan as you know so Senny was going out again to, to continue the development for goalkeepers you have to go and play in terms of your match judgement your decision making all these various aspects so Joe and Liam are, are two, two first choice keepers um, and, and young Dylan comes in with a really good pedigree behind him and, and again another one we can develop in we have to develop our own players and, and he'll be our third choice if we get an injury I've got no hesitation to put him on the bench so that's what that's why we have him so when you say we've got loads of goalkeepers we've got three that's what we have Okay. Um, on the uh, some of the the outgoings Luke Freeman felt fairly inevitable it's time yeah. for him to go and we, we needed the money Darnell maybe not so much were you keen to keep him or what was the situation no, the, the situation is quite simply is as, as Les Les quite rightly states every player at every club in the world is available at a price. Whether it's Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, whatever it may be, or someone playing for, for you know, the bottom of the league team, they're always available at the price which is the appropriate value for the club. 
the market in the championship has changed. You know, I saw some figures stated fans have to appreciate that financial fair play has had a serious implication yeah. or impact on many, many clubs. And when I hear 10, 15 minutes, nonsense, and I'm saying that in a really polite way, but you've got to be clear and blunt on that. It's nonsense. The, those days are, at the moment are gone. The spending, I, I spoke to someone a few days ago, the spending was 60 million compared to 210 million a year ago. So there's a significant difference this year in the championship and the spending power that the championship has. So when a, a bid came in from West Brom for Darnell, first we have to I have respect the player and tell him, um, and, and it suited him, but I knew we also had options at our end in terms of what we can do. So, you know, it's well documented that there's, there's interest in maybe one more player coming in. Todd Kane coming with his experience, and I felt we could cover it and had some real pace. Um, Darnell had great physical attributes, obviously. Uh, but Todd Kane comes in with a real attack-minded, strong technical player who can play a number of positions, and that flexibility again helps the squad. So, my judgment call was that that was a good trade for us. And can I ask you the situation um, with Mas Luongo? There's been there's been quite a lot of speculation about that, and he hasn't featured in the pre-season friendlies. What's the what's the score with Mas? No, Matt. Obviously, the, you know, last year of his contract, um, and Matt's future probably lies away from from QPR. Uh, you know, but right now he's a, he's a very well respected player within the squad and what he's done for the last five years at the club so so Mass is at the moment training hard with us getting the odd game with the 23s and we'll see what happens in the coming days If he doesn't if he wasn't to leave on the deadline you would re- the expectation would be you would reintegrate him into the, into the squad for the first half of the let's, season Let's see what happens in the next few days Okay <laughs> um, and are we done there's rumours of uh, McKenna up at Aberdeen are we, are we done now or is there, is there one more to come what, first, what can you tell us First you never talk about another club's player that's, that's the, the, the truth of it and the respect of it so I wouldn't mention that I think we are looking at one more player to come in I want to have a situation where we have serious competition in every position in the park so you look at Joe and Liam for example as goalkeepers you look at Todd and Angela at right back you look at Lee Wallace and Ryan Manning at left back you look at um, Jeff Cameron Don Ball Matty Smith Josh Scowan Luke Amos in midfield you look at Ilias Ebby Mide Bright Jordan we have competition now all over the park I mean you have to have that and people say it's a difficult situation to handle it's a nice problem to have because you want to have that competition players are hungry to play they want to play there'll be some frustrated players some weeks disappointed players some weeks but in general, we're in it together. We're in it together, and we have to have that competition. Anyone who thinks their shirt is a given, uh, and they've got a divine right to a shirt, knows that can't be right for the good of the club. Mm. So one more, I hope, will come in, uh, and that will provide that level of competition all over the park. Have we traded ourselves into a position where, there, miraculously, there might actually be a little bit of money to spend on that on that one more player? I, I hope so. I hope so. And, and you know, my thanks to Lee and Les because we've, you know, the budget's been closely monitored and. It's, after what's happened it's well documented what's happened at the club and at other clubs as well and what we have to be is financially prudent and financially astute uh, and the, the board are being uh, and as I say we're in a position now I think where we've, we can use some, some small monies hopefully very well uh, and we have to add some value to the balance sheet in terms of adding our own value to our own players you know, loan players come in to serve their value of course they do absolutely Luke coming in and Matt as mentioned earlier the benefits they bring on so many different fronts we want to develop our own players as well and bring our own assets on board as permanent transfer players. So, so um, yeah, I think one more will do it and I think we'll be in a good position. Looking ahead to Saturday, tough tough start up at Stoke, always a difficult game. 
we haven't seen Lee Wallace in pre-season so far. Is he uh, coming back fit and available? What's the sort of, as much as you can tell us? No, for he had a small, I'm saying tweak to hip, I'm not, that's my non-medical mind speaking <laughs> there, but he had a small hip issue that he aggravated on the first or second week of pre-season training. He had a, an injection last week and uh, and it's responded really well. So obviously he's a bit behind the group in terms of fitness, but all credit to Ryan Manning, who's jumped in and taken the spot. So Lee knows that, again, no divine right to the position. I know the qualities that Lee Wallace brings, both on and off the pitch, but Ryan's done outstandingly well as well. So yeah, he's played well under the he's done, he's, done, he's done well. No, and you want people to respond to that challenge. Um, you know, you saw Don Ball at the weekend against Watford. Jeff Cameron came in on Friday, looked good in training. How does, it, how does Don Ball and Matty Smith respond? Really well. And you want to see that positive response and that grit and desire and determination to hang on to the shirt and play for the club. And, and those things, which may seem small to some people, are really important to me. We asked this question, just finally, we asked this question a lot of QPR and the answer over the past few years has just been to be competitive. But if we could push you for a little bit more, what constitutes success for you this season? No manager's going to sit there and say, we're going to finish here. No one will ever do that in their, in their right mind. But what we have to do is add a bit of detail. And I, th- I think I said in the programme notes that every single game, I look at it and I, I spoke to a fan at the previous West London club. I won't say the club for obvious reasons. Um, but he always spoke about what he could do as a young player, as an old man now. And he said that I could run, I could kick it, I could tackle and I could, I could smash him, he would say. It's the things that he can't do that he pays his money to go and watch. So he, he can't be as technically good and clever with the football. So therefore, make sure the basics you do right. So if you have a, everyone, all of us have a bad day at work, a bad day at the office, the bare minimum requirement must be 100% effort. So in every game that the QPR fans see the, their team play, that's the minimum they should expect. And on top of that, you hope very much that 11 or 11 or 9 out of 11 have a really good day and we deliver a level of performance. There will be good days and bad days, of course. But I'm going to say we go into every game really well prepared. We've analysed the opposition well, we've trained well, we're in a good state of fitness. Uh, and we're ready to, to meet the challenge that every week of this division brings because as you say Stoke's a tough game show me the easy one no <laughs> there's, there's no easy games but I want to make sure that playing QPR is not deemed, seen as easy so from our point of view that you know you saw hopefully against Watford we had a really good performance against Brighton behind closed doors an improved performance in Oxford United so the pre-season's gone through and we've got better and better through the games and Saturday we were good for long periods of time so against a very strong Watford team so we're making good progress and it's all credit to the players but uh, we know what, what challenge we face but I want the QPR fans to enjoy supporting their team Well we wish you all the luck in the world to quote Leslie Nielsen good luck we're all, we're all counting on you Mark Warburton thanks very much for your time today Pleasure thanks very much indeed Great interview Clive <laughs> worth um, it's worth look let's just be kind of very open and upfront about it so the last couple of years uh all the fans groups have been invited down to the training ground at the start of the season. A bit like the um, the open day that happened. I just say one yesterday. thing before people say use your suspects. Me and David weren't actually there. Just saying. I mean, people can say what they like, and we shouldn't pretend that we weren't invited. We were invited, but we couldn't go. Uh, but the various groups went down there to get a briefing with the manager <laughs> and so on. Um, and yeah, and so as part of that, we had a word with him. Um, he, I don't want to say he sounds sensible, sounds like a safe pair of hands, because I can hear myself saying that about McLaren a year ago. But he, I don't know, there is a sort of feeling that he's kind of the right can I bring guy back in the right job at the right time. McLaren last year, it was sensible hands, but we did come out of it thinking, he's a bit mad. 
Yeah, and, and it's very David Brentish, wasn't it? And when it? he put out the Pied Piper tees, I was sitting beside Clive, and you weren't too far away. Everyone's mouth was open because we're thinking that's a bit strange. Mm. Um, what I think, what I took out of the interview that we've just heard was no divine right to wear the shirt. That's all I want. That's that that within context of being a fan is the only headline you need to, to, to know. No one has got a divine right to walk into that first team. It's respect, effort. Even when he said that, um, even if you're not playing well, as long as you give 100, percent that's good. That, we haven't th- had that for what years. What did you think of him, Clive? Well, the thing that I'll I'll chuck in, and I'll, I won't mention names because obviously you do the interview, and then there's some chat afterwards, and it wouldn't be mm. fair to name names from from what came out of that. But the thing that I take take out of it is that when Warburton arrived, he was talking about five or six new faces, and then as we've started the podcast discussing, we're going to end up with fifteen new faces. Um, and he wouldn't be drawn on it, but I think something has happened in between him arriving and now to make him think that that squad needed not just mm. five, half a dozen new faces, but just rip the whole thing up and start again. And I was I've spent the whole day with him trying to sort of get down to what that was. Um, and we get we asked him about specific players in the sort of off the record bit, so I won't mention the names. But he said his impression after a couple of weeks and the impression he'd been given by people that were here last season was that players were quite comfortable at QPR. And by that, I think what he was talking about and we talked about last year, Steve McLaren religiously picked the same team every week. He was almost sort of superstitious about it. And we talked about that a bit on the podcast. We talked about it in respect of this is tiring players out, players are losing form in the second half of the season, mm. but also isn't it a big departure from what Ian Holloway was doing? But he suggested that what happened last season is players knew they were going to be playing next week regardless of how they trained, regardless of how they performed and regardless of what the result was. And it re- developed into a situation where 60 or 70% was good enough. You'd just be in the team. You're a first-team player and you're going to be playing. You're not a first-team player and you're not going to be playing. And I think he has, from what I've seen and heard today, has decided to come in and just rip the whole thing up just to get to blow those cobwebs away. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I'll just, you know, people doing their predictions for the season. I don't think it, you can. It could go, just could go know, one or two we? ways, couldn't it? I mean, uh, the term uh, Queen's Park Strangers gets thrown about now and again but it's never been any more true than this season and will be the title of this podcast no doubt <laughs> yes indeed um, he, he, he was very reassuring I mean he talks a good game um, what? we've you said that before though we have said that before there um, weren't too many cliches I thought there like, weren't too many yeah it, they, there, were, there were a couple but like you know they, a lot of manager interviews can become a bit exhausting, especially for a new manager who's trying to set the tone, trying to please the fans, and it can just turn into a bit of a, a cheesy kind of um, speech. But I thought he was honest as he could be, but also, you know, towed the line where he has to. So he talked about the fact that, you know, he wants kids to be able to develop at QPR and not feel like, um, you know, this is this is the end of their journey. So he wants mm. them to be able to play, but then he sort of said, oh, but by loaning them, we're giving them the opportunity to develop as well. We're not blocking their route. 
which I kind of understand, and maybe that's just a good kind of rebuttal to people asking him why Smith's on loan again or um, other players as well. So I, did, I, I liked what he was saying. It's just obviously hard to know because a lot of it is just, you know, easy listening. It depends because a lot of our problems are caused by internal um, issues such as when chairs and lawn... We, 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 we put videos up because the first team's not doing so well so we put loads of cheer, videos of chairs up scoring goals doing mm. things and Rangers fans like I want him in the middle of the midfield he's got to play middle of the midfield he is our new hero and then the season starts and like Vienna kicks off and he doesn't play doesn't play at Boreham Wood doesn't play at Oxford then comes on against um, Watford last week and people are like going oh so why don't we set him out in loan Paul Smith it, um, sadly for me he was playing catch up he was, he was probably maybe Maybe he was. I've always told I've got a bass Northern Irish players. I probably have. You do. Because I'm Northern Irish. But Colin fine. Washington was actually not from Northern Ireland, but never mind. Um, and you kind of think maybe he was played too early because Holloway had mandate was to play what you had in front of you and nothing else. Um, and the, but there's huge potential in young Smith. There's huge potential in young Cher. And if we loan them out this season then that's brilliant. But what you don't want to do is go back to a Nicky Ball type scenario where they're loaned out, they're loaned out, they're loaned out, they're loaned out, and they don't come back the player they maybe could have been. Warburton said Chair wouldn't be going out on loan. He said he felt he at 22 he'd been out, done his loan time, and it was time for him to come and, and be a first-team player, whereas uh, Little Smith is two years younger, perhaps hadn't done as well out on loan last year as Chair had done and needed to go out again to develop to the mm. point that Chair has done. He also said that um, there'd been opportunities to sign either on loan or otherwise players that could play 10 in the 4-2-3-1 formation and they'd turned it down because they felt it would put a player in front of Chair Eze who are the, the players we want to be developing. My question is he talked about looking and realising that the players he had like big Matt Smith, who's a target man, couldn't play how he wants to play. What I don't understand is how, and we won't find this out maybe for a while, how does Warburton want to play? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's in, and out from the, in and out from the back. The, the issue that I have with that is when you completely pander to what a manager wants and this is my style of play and I'm here now and Matt Smith doesn't fit, so he's out, you know, just lickety split and if we do what we usually do and it doesn't work and Warburton only lasts you know eight nine months here then the following manager is going to come in with a a team entirely structured to play the way that Warburton wants to play you know and he's just going to come in and go oh we lack physicality up front we need a ball busting centre half and he's going to insist on signing another six player so we're meant to have got away from that manager comes in team entirely constructed too much now to this manager um, I I even want to go... So I have no idea where we're going to finish. We could do really well. I also think we mm. could go down. We could go down. But I, I, I think in a weird way, even if that happens, we would go down with some plan and some respectability. <laughs> Let's hope. Um, but I also the other point I was going to make was, I think, I feel like the big winner, if that's the word, of this summer is Lee Hoos. That he has, Lee, this is Lee Hoos' plan in action. And I don't mean this as any sort of sinister master plan. What I mean is his priority is get get out the overspending, get in the kind of guys on modest contracts and so on, and build a sustainable club. With these signings and this manager, he feels a very Lee Hoos manager. 
I feel like I actually feel like the key partnership at the club now is Lee Hughes and Mark Warburton because I guess a third point is who knows now where this leaves Les because all these signings are clearly from where I can see Mark Warburton signings. Yeah, and the thing I fear about that as well is at the beginning of last season we tried the playing out from the back thing and it didn't work at all and the fans were on the manager and the players back from the first home game when we were getting pressured and then teams realised that we couldn't do it and were pressuring us and we were freaking out. And then we just resorted to thumping up the pitch. McLaren started playing Matt Smith and we kind of just went back to square one. So the the thing that really worries me is that it's just going to be history repeating itself. And even on Saturday against Watford, um, Lumley looked a little bit panicked at times, looking, oh, should I play it short? I don't know what to do. Shall I just try and you know hit someone in the middle? Like, And there were a few dodgy kicks. So I, that's the thing that really worries me, is that we will just do exactly the same all over again. Because it's hard to play out from the back when you haven't got players who can do that. that, but, that that's it. But, but do you know what I say every season? At some point, we have to have faith. We have to have a belief that this is the right system and we have to stop second managers and give them a season to either have glory or failure. I don't know what you feel. You can't now not do that with this manager and these signings Having gone balls deep on his plan, if we sack him now, this is going to be ridiculous. Well, I I think what we we need to do is, is rather than keep getting in a manager who wants his own players and change the system, we have to be like Brentford or like Swansea were and have the system, the, the way in which we play and bring in a manager to suit the way we play. Rather but we, than... We've had a director of football for however many years who has had the opportunity to do that and we that system is not happening. That system is not happening at QPR, is it? Well, surely now, having put in 14 <laughs> new players, it now would be the time to, to implement But those 14 new players... Probably, I haven't counted, but 12 of them know, have played for Mark Warburton or whatever it is. Like I did try, I did try in the interview to nail yeah. down that question yeah. that we always ask about who exactly is yeah. identifying yeah, and he's, signing. He's, he's jobs for the boys. Flat back that one, didn't he? I, yeah. I don't think it's jobs for the boys, but it, it's, it's obviously... But you're, obviously, you know, you understand these players well because you've worked with them. I, but, I get but, that. But what Chris is saying is this whole thing, you know, there's a club philosophy and a manager comes yeah. in. That does not exist. No. This no. manager has come in and has he's brought his own players. Well, that's why I'm saying that, that this is... The that now is the time that we need to rather than like you know nine months down the line we literally rip it up and start again but, it, but hang on what, what we're suffering from in our backlash is we've had a turban we've had the layers we've had everyone else saying we're not going to have a revolving door we're going to stop all that we're going to develop how's that going <laughs> recruit scout and build and then we get 14 maybe 15 maybe 16 who knows players in so therefore everything that's been said is swept to one side and it's it's tricky then for fans like myself who haven't got that much brilliant ability to then comprehend well what is the plan because we change the plan every six months I think this is Lee Hoos' plan now and I think he's a good guy doing a good job but if it I works think, it's going to be think, amazing but... I think this is Lee Hoos' plan previous years it was Tony Fernandez's plan previous years potentially Harry Redknapp's or Les Ferdinand I believe this is Lee Hoos' plan and it is get this business and I say business sustainable and get the right players in to support that to, model. To be fair to them, they would say to you when they, and by they I mean Les Ferdinand and, and probably Lee Hughes as well, would say that when they took over the club, there hadn't been an academy player in the first team for for donkey's years and the players that we did have at youth level were being loaned out to Conference South, if yeah. that 
we now, our youth players get good League One loans. We've just sold someone that came out of the academy for £2 million, which while we think is cheap, you know, is is still progress on where we were. We've bought a player for 300000 in Freeman and sold him for disputed transfer Sterling. fee. Yeah, um, for more. Sterling yeah. was £9 million. Yeah, but Sterling's a free. That's, that a once, a free. that's an absolute once in a generation. Mm. Okay. Well, also, uh, you know, a couple of million quid that helps support the running of the whole academy. So, have you? I mean, I'm, this is not even worth answering. None of us have ever seen this level of turnover at QPR of players in the summer. But have you ever known it anywhere? But 2001, when we went down under Holloway in administration, we changed. We changed the whole squad. We came. We came down with about six players, two of whom were injured. And I just every preseason friendly was a litany of. But you know, we had got relegated and we're mm. in administration. I feel like to come to your point. This feels like a, it's a Les Ferdinand appointment, Mark Warburton. We, you know, we're led to believe it does sort of feel like the last hurrah for that. This has to go well. They've gone really in. With you Warburton. have definitely said that before. Yeah, no, for, but I mean, for for the director, the director of football that we have, the chief exec we have, like you say, it's all been building to this. They've gone for Warburton. They've just done everything he wants within the budget. They've gone balls deep on it. This has to work. Otherwise, not only. Could easily get relegated, but also I think there'll be a big there'd be a big strip so out of everything. You nothing. said that Les never had a say in the manager then beforehand. Oh, we've been through this. Loads. Well, for no, that, no, um, well, saying, because it's what Holloway, fans Holloway's definitely Fernandez, wasn't it? Holloway, Holloway and Holloway and, and Steve, Holloway and Steve McLaren had absolutely nothing to do with yeah. Les Ferdinand. Their hiring and their sacking, he was presented with them. And that's a fair point because he gets blamed for that lot. So, but Ramsey was Les. Hasselbank was Les. Well, really, yeah, Ramsey's, at the, Ramsey's at the club because of Les. I'm not sure it was Les Ferdinand who said that he should be the manager. And, you know, Les and who's were involved, you know, Hasselbank, you could say, was probably their appointment. Although, again, the club went for a big name that the board had heard of. Um, does the inexperienced... We have a very inexperienced squad now, and we have a squad that have not played for QPR. Who... Who do you? I went through this today based on the players that are listed on the QPR website, plus two or three others we've signed in the last few days who were not on there. How? Who do you think has made the most appearances in the current QPR squad? It's going to be double surely. What for QPR or no for, for Hartlepool? For QPR, Ezo is up around fifty, and that that would that probably be up there. Josh, Josh Scowen has yeah. made eighty-three appearances. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll read out this, this, these stats to you. So there was 20, there's 27 players, basically, if you have the three who weren't on there. Um, between them, they've made 440 appearances for QPR. That's an average per head of 16 appearances for QPR, yeah. which is a third of a season. So the average amount of games each player's played is a third of a season. Um, and if you take last season, last season QPR played 53 games. There are only three players who have played more than 50, one season's worth of mm. games for QPR. Scowen, Eze's made 64 appearances, and Hall. Let's has... not forget, though, that the end of last season was shit. <clears throat> and I, I, did say, I did say at the end of last season, we shouldn't fear change as much as we should fear more of what happened in yes. the last six months of last yes. season. So changing itself, but... It's a big ask to turn around 14 players in how the summer and be a, a cohesive team. B- before we move on to Oz end, how... Can I say one thing how, else as well, by the way? Yeah? It's, um, in all that fairness to Les, I think it gets a lot of stick, and I think a lot of it is based not on him as a person, but different aspects that come into play, which I'm not very happy about. Um, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of things thrown at him, but, you know, 
it's 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 a tricky one because he came in inexperienced. He wasn't a director of football before. He was never a manager. This is always going to be learning on the back foot for Les and and and. and Whatever you say about people, Ramsey has a lot of respect to QPR. A lot of people have got time for Ramsey. I'm not slagging Les or Ramsey off or anyone. What I'm saying is we just keep changing the mantle. Let's keep to the programme, keep it simple and believe in the plan and stick to it. That involves Les, the manager, the board and everyone. And perhaps then we can stop all the stupidness and Twitter and everything else that goes on with it that involves arguments about what, who does what. Because in there, as long as we win on a Saturday, a Tuesday, a Friday, a Thursday, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as we have a team that doesn't lose 23 frigging games a season, who cares? I, th- I think you need to come off Twitter, Paul. <laughs> I mean, it obviously does your head in. Cause, you I know, can't spell for a start. Well, no, you know, you're, you're, he you're likes obviously, it. He likes the I'm not sure he does. Every time I'm here, you mention it. And I was like you about 18 months ago. It was actually it was upsetting me, some of the stuff I was getting. I've got about 350 people on mute now. My, my life's much better. I'd, I'd either recommend coming off or doing that. No. We, we, we've been doing this for nine uh, years. It's 350 has... include you, by the way. Uh, yeah. Possibly, I don't know. In the nine years... Go through, times. The, go through the list in the <laughs> pub. If it, you like. In the nine years we've been doing this, it has got worse, what Clive is saying about the people that on Twitter. society's so got right. worse. Uh, Chris, uh, you're yeah, going to make no, a No, I was just going to say, one player we haven't mentioned, who wasn't mentioned in the chat, uh, was Tony Leisner. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what the deal with him is. whether he's off or not. I mean, he was probably our, one of our best players last season. I mean, Warburton did say... We don't want a team full of five foot six players. We need a bit of physicality, uh, and and I would argue that he, he you know, re- represents possible uh, our best defender and our, our best uh, exponent of physicality. If we, if we get the lad from Aberdeen, he'll be off. If we don't, he won't. Okay, I think that's as simple as okay. that. He's he's someone we could sell for some money, and he's also someone earning a good wage. So it wouldn't be bad to get him off the books. But they're not going to sell him without. And by the way, McKenna is absolutely wasted at the Scottish League. He is a quality player. Yeah, he would be a good signing if yeah. we could. But get there's him. other people going in for him, so it's a bit more of a fight than you know. A- any indication? Anything you picked up today? He didn't answer anything on Massimo Luongo. But any indication? Oh, he did. He did. I mean, he basically but said in the really. interview when I pushed him, let's, he let's, said, let's see what happens in the next couple of days. Okay. So, but let's wait and see. How much do you reckon he'll go for? 1.5? Not much. And the, I mean, the heartbreaking thing is War, Warburton said at, at some point today that he'd bid two million for him when he was at Nottingham Forest. So that's annoying. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, he's only got a year left. So, so why did he so stay there? Before oh, ours yeah. end, four questions that we asked on Twitter today. The first question will go round the table. Our finishing position. Eighteenth. Sixteenth. I've said. I say it every year. We've been sixteenth for like three or four years, and only. Get, do you know what? There's a lot of crap in the championship this year. I wrote. I've been doing our championship preview for the last three weeks, and I fancied nobody to get promoted, and about fourteen teams to get relegated. Yeah, we're not worse, and that's so three wor- three worst teams. I'll say sixteenth. Finney. I reckon if we get everything right, and. Go for it, and everything comes together, and we get 19th. that. Shut up, <laughs> and we get that lovely passion from the crowd to the pitch, and everything else. And if we all get like that Nottingham Forest away feeling around the ground, and we all go mad, then we can finish top ten. If it goes horribly wrong, we could get relegated and record points. It's that hard to predict. But I'm I'm fancying after we sign your man up front, I reckon we can and. A lot of Pierce and Pew is a great signing from Bournemouth. Absolutely great. Sign. So I'm more confident it was after Vienna. Vienna was shaking bricks. So what's the Chris. position, Paul? Uh, yeah, I mean it could. Yeah, like it could be anywhere between six and twenty 
Uh, how many teams left? Twenty-four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I would. I, I'm going to go fourteenth. I really don't know. I'm kind of with you. I think it could be anywhere from tenth downwards. I think we'll be in the bottom six. Can I hedge? I just Can don't I want to season say defeat, the, No, but I can't. I feel like even though we may finish in the bottom, the last two three years we've had brilliant runs that have saved us, and the rest of the time has been complete. You know, completely terrible. I think it might be more consistently terrible. I think the biggest that. issue is home form. I mean, yeah. that period, the most recent period under Holloway, at least we knew that at home it was going to be a bit more of a fight, interesting, maybe win the game. And the away games were always going to be the issue. But now, now the the home form's gone out the window and that's something we've got to get back. That is the main thing for this season. Do do it inspires me, Flo. I'll be honest with you. Do it inspires me. I loved the way Amos played on Saturday. I loved the closing down. The defence, yeah, was a bit slow and you you could tweak it a bit more and blah, blah, blah. But we caused Watford problems, but... They're pierce killers, but they're their premiership team and they're going to do that. I was quite confident after Saturday that we closed down well, we got the crosses in. Sadipo certainly has learned to cross in before he runs past the white line, which is a, a big interest in his game. But also, Manning at left back was immense. He got into everything, did a yeah. great job. Yeah. And well, you're kind of thinking, we can maybe just push on a they, wee bit. They said today that, that he'd come in expecting Wallace to be his first choice left-back this year and Manning has just torn it up in pre-season. Oh, really? And, really, mm. and he says he wants that in every position. Yeah. He said he pointed out that they signed Jeff Cameron last week to play defensive midfield. Who was the best player against Watford, arguably? Don Ball. He was yes, yeah. very he was much. And that, that Warburton's preaching that sort of thing two okay. players for every position Watford uh, was a relief that's for sure r- r- right these next three questions I'm taking one word from each of you if your first word Good is luck, well Paul then that's what your answer is right he says it, Moses. best signing I will say Mark Pugh Amos Amos by a mile just from what I've seen Paul I would say Matt Chris Smith. Matt Smith <laughs> Barbette let's uh, not do that Barbette. it's Matt Smith can I, t- can I tell you a little Amos story Go on. I know we're short on, on time. On. Amos is important, one, because if you're playing out from the back in the 4-2-3-1, he's in the most important position, number one. Number two, if he actually gets fit, is a superb player. But Warburton said today he's brought Matt Smith and Amos in, as well as good players, to show our youngsters the standard of behaviour and ability required to go and play at that level. And when we were between training drills today and they were reconfiguring the pitch... Luke Amos went and helped the coaching staff. Uh, the the goals are on wheels at the training ground, mm. and the training staff were moving the trains. Yeah. <laughs> we could get get, get one of those get one of those yeah. for the get one of those for the home ground. But they were reconfiguring the pitch for a new training drill. The coaching staff were moving the goals, and Amos came away from the the group and helped move mm. the goals with them. So no Premier League big time Charlie about him. Brilliant. Mucking in and helping out, and Warburton really likes him for that. I just, I think Amos, if he can stay fit, is going to be. I, I think Warburton's all about that. I've heard a story about Warburton. A, a very experienced journalist said he's only, has said the only manager, and he's met hundreds. There's only one manager that has ever made him a cup of tea, and it was Mark Warburton. Wow. So he's probably. All about. I remember Chris Ramsey collected our empties after one of a meet, a meeting. But whether whether he's when you count him as a manager or not, um, I don't know. We're gonna uh, right best, and then this is the final one, which may be the same. But who do you think the best player is in our squad? Yeah, same again, Amos. Yeah, same. Easy. 
I mean, as in it's Eze. Yeah. <laughs> That's the elephant in the room, isn't it? What happens to Eze? Well, I, 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 I think this could this season could be the coming of age. What do you play? He looked, he looked, he looked really good against Watford. Yeah. Bright Samuel looked very good. I think Bright Samuel. I think this year's all about Bright Samuel. Just needs that to shot know that just how came to off shoot. the post. Oh. Just shoot. He can't, he can't finish his dinner at the minute, can no. he? Just. Just needs no, to be, and no. also he's we've a, all he's, been there. All, once he gets one in, he'll get I, the ball in. He's a winger. He's a winger, and Warburton wants to dinner. wants to play him as a forward. He so, so he needs to be reconfigured. Um, right, ours end. Neil, our engineer, is furiously waving his hands. He always does. Ours end. Anything, everything you haven't mentioned. I will start, and I will try and keep it brief. We've all got sent this ridiculous visa, whatever oh it is, Mastercard season ticket thing. I, I don't like it. I think it's an own goal, pun intended, by the yeah. club. I think, I sort of, I, I mean, first of all, I don't understand it and how it works. And second of all, it's just a bit icky. Why are you sending people a MasterCard that they haven't asked for as their season ticket? I know it's opt-in. I know you don't have to use it. But I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it, so don't send it to me. Yeah. And my son's got a junior hoops card, which is like just like an oyster card. I understand. There's, I understand uh, from Gemma Fumagalli who doesn't like it. She phoned up and asked for it to be changed, and the club said no. Well, the club. <laughs> the, what they said no to Gemma? How dare I they? I know. Brave. brave, very yeah, yeah, yeah. brave. Um, it's <laughs> they've done a lot of work. Club, the club on communication to their image, and I think this is just all a bit. Icky. Okay, what is it? Well, how does it actually work? Does anyone actually know? No. No. <laughs> well, if you, well, if you don't want it as a as a card, as a cash card, then just walk up next week and present it as your season ticket, like normally you get in. But, do but you, I do, do, I, do have, I do get your point. Do you actually yeah. act, have to activate it beforehand? No. Not to just get in no. next week. Are you sure no. About that? no. Yes, no. yes, no. I am. So because I because I used my cash whatever it is QPR cash in the club in the shop yesterday, so you don't have to. I had 35 it. quid last year I forgot the spare don't remind me so how does that actually work when you want to so what is the point of it then it's Good to try question. and get you to, to link up to, to MasterCard money. spend money and spend 15p a transaction that's the why shop. they're doing it MasterCard are not doing it for their own health so to get into debt then well it's not no. it's a top up it's a top up it's card. a top up but what they're trying to do is channel all the spending to the club shop. So instead of what they would usually do, which is a loyalty cash to spend in the club shop at the end of the season, they're now encouraging people to spend all the time with a reward at the end. So saying, oh, buy your hot dog, we'll charge you an extra 15p, but you'll get to redeem the 15p at the end of the season in some shitty array of mint green shorts. <laughs> Yeah, can I go? Oh, next. <laughs> Who's next? Flo. Uh yeah, the bloody pay card thing is the bane of my life. Um I'm like I'm not particularly anti tech. I just really think it's unnecessary. Um especially for a club that seemingly should be I know I know these two things don't link up in terms of marketing and comms and you know the the transfer angle but in terms of a club that's still trying to work out where we're going to be playing in the next 10 years I just think it's a bit random to suddenly say we're going to introduce this new wacky card that you can all use and I just think it overcomplicates things especially for older fans um I literally don't know how my dad's going to understand this concept and it's if you're a much older fan um I think it's unnecessary and also the technicalities of the payment I know it's a top up card but I just don't like the idea of encouraging people to to spend money and yeah not fun. um who's next Chris has got a mouthful of chocolate mm. So it's one of you two. Clive. David Wheeler. 
went to Wickham today and um, didn't need to because um, I think he, I, he, he, he didn't need to say it. Sorry, he did need to go to Wickham. Um, <gasps> he didn't need to say it and I, I suspect he's probably quite aggrieved at how it's turned out at QPR because I think he's made seven appearances, four from the start in about four different positions. It just felt like... I think we bought him because we thought we could circumnavigate the expensive market for strikers by buying a prolific winger and playing him up front. And we gave up on that idea after about an hour of trying him up front in a in a difficult away game at Derby and just sort of didn't really have a use for him. Obviously a nice lad, maybe not good enough for this level, maybe not that we ever tried to find out, but having basically been pissed about a little bit by QPR, when he left today, didn't need to say it, but came out and praised the, Q, uh, the QPR Community Trust said that it was a credit to the club, wished the club all the best for the future. And I just, you know, just nice lad. And I hope he goes and does well at Wickham. Although knowing QPR's luck, we've probably just... Well, he's gone to our under-23 team. Yeah, but I was, just, I was, I was, I was going to finish by saying knowing QPR's luck, he'll probably now keep Smith out of the team, which yeah. would be completely counterproductive. Well, that, that's, that's, that's the weird... Um, I mean, I get what, what um, the manager said about Smith needing 35, 40 games a season. But it's 35, 40 games in a season in a, in a team that play a completely different system to us, which is like, yeah. Yeah, they're direct, aren't they? Very direct. But anyway. Chris. Okay. Um, well, part one, very quickly, is glad to see Adel Tarab finally. Looks like he's getting his yeah. act together. Um, man of the match performance goal uh, against AC Milan. Um, long way that continue. Um, and I still haven't got, given up the hope of tracking him down one of these days and getting him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is the, the club calendar. I mean, every year I play <laughs> seven ninety nine uh, for the yes. calendar. I've got this calendar. There's nothing left. Calendar for my daughter. Um, can I just ask that next year they could do it on a release the, the, the page on a month by month basis, so that at least we can get through the year yeah. and have a full quadra of players who actually do play for QPR? Because as it stands, I think there's two left. I believe July is Matt Ingram, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean it's yeah. just a reminder of, of all the players that you thought were you, you thought were good and wanted to hang on to and, <laughs> and, and, and haven't since buggered off. So yeah, just an idea there. <laughs> no more calendars. Mm. Paul, you alright? Oh God, Go on. Hey, I'm going to tag myself. I'm going to need another beer for this. You've already had... Oh, yeah, you've had three. Um, I'm going to pop out and get a kebab. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I'll stop eating then. Um, right, all I want... I'll be honest with you, my R's end's quite short. Is it about so passion? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> How'd you guess? Do you want to share this beer? Should no. We just get, should we just get one, cut and paste no. one from last season? Right, first point... I've got two points. First point is, the players that we released, who do we think will do the best? Wait, this is another question. No, don't care. Next and the next part, don't care. Okay, I'll I'll throw in a a, a small Sky Sports News uh, anecdote from a couple of weeks ago about Joel Lynch, who somehow got himself training with Sheffield United Mm. this summer. Uh, Just a little line on a little line on the little Sky Sports News uh, strap at the bottom said uh, Joel Lynch uh, has travelled with Sheffield United to their pre-season training camp in the Algarve but did not train today. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I my daughter's going to today. And my last R's end is... Matt Smith, so he answers that question. <laughs> All right, whatever. Turn up a Saturday, be loud, be proud. It's another 10 months of love, glory, and God knows what, but we all know we'll lose to Bristol City in the League Cup, and that'll be that. Woo-hoo. And Finney, before you finish your prediction for Stoke on Saturday. Um, I think we'll win 2-0. Clive. I, I, I think we'll lose 2-0, sorry. Flo? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll lose. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Call it a draw. I'm, I'm going one all. Yeah, I'll go one all. Yeah. Um, you come with the train with me? Uh, yes, I am on the train with <laughs> you. Hey, aren't you the lucky one? Poor, poor train. <laughs> I wish you hadn't asked. Well, I will interrupt <laughs> that awkward. I will interrupt that awkward moment by saying this has been the season preview for the 2019-20 season. Here's to a great season for Come QPR. On, you are. QPR. 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 Q